Blog Talk Radio. Henry!
radio not just for your ears, but also for your spirit. Jesus in the morning radio. And you're with Barbara. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Mr. Corey, this morning. And I've decided to make Jesus my choice, Corey Henry. And uh, I like the way he makes that organ talk a little bit. And uh, he, 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 he do much greater work than you heard this morning. But I thank God for him and this, the, the song, I, not, not you or her or him, but I decided to make Jesus my choice. Hallelujah, brother. Hallelujah. God bless you. I thank God for it this morning. I had to go in there and deep brag and, you know, I forget some stuff. Yeah, so I had to do some things to unclutter some stuff because I work on this thing, yeah, all the time. But anyway, yeah, I've decided today, October 11, 2022, to make Jesus my choice. No matter what come my way, sickness, yeah, illness is going to come. Disease may come. Uh, You may not have money from time to time, yeah. Things may not go the way you want them to go today. You may feel lonely. You know, but I decided to make Jesus my choice. So whether I'm lonely, whether I'm sad, whether I'm sick, whatever the case may be, I'm going to stay with Jesus. He's the often finisher of my faith. I'm going to constantly look to the hills from which cometh my help. All of my help come from the Lord. He made the heavens and the earth. But when we get off course, when we start looking at other things, and we take our eyes off Jesus, then it gets really bad for us. Yeah, because now we're not holding on to him. We're not looking to him. We're trying to fix something around here to make us feel better. And the scripture even says to suffer with him, we'll be able to reign with him. But our biggest problem, we don't suffer, not even for two minutes. Not even for two seconds, we don't want to suffer. If we start some suffering, we're going to find a way and to wiggle our way out of it. But what I tell you this morning, suffering is good. If we're suffering for his sake now, let's get that part straight. It's got to be for his sake. Yeah. You turn the other cheek. You prayed for your enemies. You were there for your enemies. Yeah. You loved your enemies because he told us to love them. That's suffering for his sake. Because of what he told us to do. And today, I'll say it until I leave here. Everything basically has changed. You've got the new wave, new age stuff, and people falling for this stuff because they're not willing to buckle down and seek God for themselves. They want to seek everything else and everybody else. And I want to warn y'all today with all these signs and wonders, these people saying they're prophets, they're prophetess, and all of this. They're preachers, and they're preaching something that you think you can relate to. Listen, be careful and seek the word of God. Yeah. You have many sheep, well, I should say many wolves in sheep clothing. And you think they for one thing when you find out they for another. I found that out. I found it out the hard way. Because when I come out, I come out in Jesus. I come out for real. I come out loving him. I had a well-made-up mind. Whatever it took to obey him, that's what I was going to do. Money had nothing to do with it. 
I didn't come out to trick nobody. I come out to tell people the truth. And as Pastor Howell say, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I didn't come out with the foolishness. I, I didn't come out so people could help me to take care of my family and I could build a ministry that would give me an income and all this foolishness. I could open my own school because I had a vision. and I, I didn't come out with that. I come out so the laws could be found. And the only way they were going to be found is through Jesus. Yeah, I come out so that I could talk of his wondrous works and make known his deeds among the people. Somebody was coming to Jesus through what I shared. But that's not the case today. And lazy people, they won't study. Lazy people, they won't have a, a person of prayer life. They look to other people to do it. They look to books. Oh, they wrote a book. Um, let me tell y'all something. God blessed me to write two books. And boy, the people, they just couldn't wait because they thought it was going to be my business. <laughs> I got tickled me today. That's not why he had me to write the books. He let me write what I wanted to write, not what people was expecting. And this is what people do. They chase behind what somebody else has done. I need you to do something for God. I need you to seek his face and turn from your wicked ways. I need you to seek him with your whole heart. And don't think because we have the spirit of God living in us, it's going to do everything for us. No, sir, and no man. We yet have to do it. I yet have to pray. I yet have to study I yet have to love my enemies. I yet have to turn another cheek. I yet have to forgive. He's not doing everything for us. No, ma'am and no, sir. I believe in my heart that which we can do, God won't do it for us. Because he gave us the ability to do it. But that which we can't do, I know he'll come in and do it. I'm a living witness. But we so in the world, and we so of the world, and we so wanting to be like the world, and we just following the devil, and all kind of stuff, instead of following Jesus. Yeah. We have got to follow him. Yeah, can't follow what we're talking about. Can't follow the world and all this other stuff, because we're going to miss the mark. When he come back, he's looking for his church. When he come back, he's looking for those of us that look like him. Listen, when he see himself in you, then he will know you belong to him. But if he don't see himself in you, then he'll know you don't belong to him. Listen, the word of God says this, we are his if we obey him. Listen to that, listen to that. We belong to God when we obey him. If we don't obey the word, then we don't belong to him. His word also says this for us. Either we for him or we against him. The word also says this. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. People don't like the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. 
And let me tell you something. I know I'm going to stand alone here pretty soon. I'm standing now alone. Right now, I'm standing alone. Guess why? People don't like the truth. And they'd rather believe a lie than the truth. And they got their own way of seeing things and figuring things and this what it is. And they listen to other people and they read other people's books. And let me tell you, I need you to get on them rusty knees, as we call them. I need you to seek God with your whole heart. Seek his face with your whole heart. I need you to get in that word praying like you ain't never prayed before for understanding in this hour. Because there's so many false preachers out here and fake preachers. You got all kinds. You got the pretty preachers for the, okay. More soft-spoken than a woman. Yeah, that's what you got today. You, you got them standing in the pulpit, clothes more tighter than any woman probably could ever. You got so much going on out here now until it's like the church even been flipped upside down. Folks believe more in that building than they do God. Do you hear what I'm telling you this morning? And I'm telling you all of this today, and I know that's why God allowed sound this morning and not yesterday morning, because I had to share this with you. Because of the things that are coming our way, those of you that's over 50, 50 and over, even some of you in your late 40s, let me tell you, what you used to won't be no more. What you're going to do? And when you go to that building and now you see nothing but the devil is operating in the church building, what are you going to do? Because many of us use the church as recreation. We use that building as a place to go and a fellowship, and we know people there. People know it's a social gathering. But he said, my house should be called the house of prayer. That's what Jesus said. Now, the, the father house, his house was going to be called the house of prayer. And anywhere prayer is going on, it's a sacred place, and it should be some sacred time. It just shouldn't be any kind of any old way simply because we can pray in the car, simply because we can pray in the grocery store, we can pray at work. But whenever we go before him and we can, we should go sacredly. He's a holy God. He's righteous. Hallelujah. And we should go before him like this. Going to his house, we shouldn't go like we go to the club. Going to his house, we shouldn't just go in in every old kind of way. The world don't know us from nobody else. The world just think we all in the world. Because I look like you, I'm dressed like you. When it comes to the things of God, there must be a difference. I want you to check this out. Anybody ever took communion in church? And I don't know how they're doing it these days because it's been a minute since I, I dealt with them on that. But usually where I come from, the communion table is sacred. It, it, it's holy. It's unto God. And it's white linen cloth, table cloth. <clears throat> no plastic, none of that. Glass, little cups to drink out of. And everything is clean. 
and the ushers, they had to be consecrated. But most likely the mothers of the church where I come from and the deacons, that's who serve communion. Not just in and everybody could just serve communion. And if the ushers had to do it, the pastor brought them in and consecrated them. They repented of their sins and all this, then they served communion. But today, it's the anything go show. It's my thing. I do what I want to do. I don't have to be clean like that. He said cleansiness is next to godliness. But we want to go before God any old kind of way and do any old kind of thing. Let me tell you, the scripture said again this morning, the first one without sin cast the first stone, but we want to put everybody else down like, oh, they done did all this wrong and they doing wrong, but I'm better than that. Look here. Your sins have been forgiven by God. It don't make you all of that. Let me put it that way. It does not make you better than nobody else. We should remain humble at all times. But we've got to get it right with God. Listen, we know not the day nor the hour when he's returning. And if we think God returning plans, we are going to be in for a very rude awakening. If we think God said what he, what he meant in his word and meant what he said, and then when we see me, he loved me so much, he's going to turn it off. No, ma'am and no, sir. Mm-mm. He said what he meant, meant what he said, and that's for everybody. And they're so trying to teach now that uh, you can't pay your way to heaven, which you can't. You can't pay your way. But it should be just an automatic thing that when we came to him, he's in us and we are in him, and we should love him, and it just should be an automatic thing that we just love him so we want to live right before him. But that's not the case. What the case is, I can get stuff from him. He makes me feel better. Yeah. I go to church because I'm a part of a social club, but let me tell you, you can go and don't live right. It won't, it won't even matter. <laughs> yeah. You can go and leave there and don't live right before God daily, and guess what? You may as well not even went. For the wages of sin is death. I want you to hear me this morning. God is shaking up some things. You watch what I tell you now. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Let me tell y'all Christians, some y'all believers and, and saints of God something this morning. Y'all concerned about who's going to run America, who's going to run this country. I'm asking you to get on your knees and pray, Lord, give me the right man to vote for. Oh, God, send the right man to run this country that we can come back to you wholeheartedly. But the church playing. The so-called people of God, we playing. We're running this race to pay bills. And I don't think that was God's intention for me to go to work. I, I used to think that. I don't think it's his will for me to go to work every day and take money and pay bills, but I think it's for me to work and give, and what I give will multiply back to me. 
That way I have more than enough to pay bills. I got enough to help somebody along the way. But we got things turned around, upside down, and backwards. And we don't want to hear what nobody say because my pastor said. And men want to prove that they pastor is the true man of God, but that hour is coming, honey. You're going to get to see who he really is. Your mouth going to be left wide open. Shut your mouth, sugar. Yeah. You're going to really be surprised. Because if you can go there every Sunday and remain the way that you are or were, you didn't grow until some. Look here. God is real this morning. I want to tell you that today. God is real, and he's looking for real people. He's looking for those that want him because he wants you, but he's looking for those that want him. He's looking for those that's willing to hold up the bloodstained banner. Let me tell y'all something. So much is going on today. And and, and these people with a, a weak mind, they're they concerned about foolishness. People are important. Homeless people are important. Hungry people are important. Sick people are important. People with special needs are important. We really need to take into consideration people flooding the country illegally. What's with this? We need to consider guns and violence. What's with that? We need to consider our very own senior citizens, our senior citizens, our homeless people, our hungry people, our special needs people. We, we need to consider this. We need to stop opening the doors and just let any and everything be a church. Any and every old body can preach and, and they overstuff and they, it, 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 it needs to come to a halt, but when you don't have the true man of God that's running a country, uh, that's in the government, we out of gas. You got to pray. Turn from your wicked ways. You're going to hear from heaven. And I promise you, God will forgive the sins and heal the land. But look here, we got to go to him. And we got to go to him for real and stop playing. Go to him and stop the plan. Those of us that are older, I'm telling you now, you're getting ready. You think you saw Corona and this and that and same-sex marriages and uh, what they think called the LGBTQ and Black Lives Matter. And you think that's something. That's nothing. That is absolutely nonsense. People matter. All people matter. And I don't understand because why I got to be grouped and linked? Why can't I just be a human being? I don't care what I'm feeling or what I think. Why can't I just be a human being? The black church. What kind of church is that? A black church. What kind of church is a black church? Why can't it just be church? The church of God. And I, I'm assuming people think he up in there because they black. I don't know what the thought of that foolishness is. 
but you want to kill prejudice, get rid of these all of these links in, 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 in I'm black. Get rid of the nonsense and pray. Seek God's face. Turn from your wicked ways. Let the prejudice go. Let the prejudice go today. It's everywhere. And you know, I, I'm African American. I'm black, they call me all these different names. But listen, I don't just go somewhere because it's black. <laughs> black folks over there. I go because over there is what they got what I like or they got what I want. And I'm going over there and get it. I, I can't help where it's at and I can't help the color of the people. And then I look for quality. If you say, well, I'm a black person with a black business, what makes the business black? Because you black, no, your business ain't black. If you painting cars, painting cars, you're not going to paint them all black. If you're serving fried chicken and waffles, the waffles, I hope they're not black and the chicken black because I'm not going to buy but I buy for quality's sake to last longer. I buy for quality's sake because it's good. If it's food, it should be good and healthy. I should taste the realness in the food. Not a whole bunch of seasoned salt and all this stuff they put in foolishness today. We don't got away from being human beings. We have gotten away from being real people. And we've moving in like a herd of cattle. They're just moving up, and we just following right along. When will the people of God raise their hand and stand up and say, I'm different, and tell your house, well, we're not going to follow these people no more. I'm not doing that no more. I knew from straight up that wasn't right anyway. I wasn't feeling that. I'm not doing it. I'm praying, I'm seeking God, and I want God to move for me. I want the Lord to lead and guide me in the right path for his name's sake. Because, see, when his name is on it, it's going to come out good. But we just following any and every old thing, and we say we this is Jesus, and we speaking in a tongue and a flipping and a flopping, and I, I don't know what's not going on. But I decided to make Jesus my choice. It's not always easy to live according to the word. I wrote me as I was speaking earlier and said, that's the thing, that, 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 that's kind of tough right now, to love your enemy. But you can do it, because the word said so. He sent Jesus for all, the test of all these things to see if it was possible to be done, and it was. But we got to choose today whom we're going to serve. We got to make a choice today which way we're going. All this crazy stuff in place. And none of this stuff shouldn't keep nobody from eating. Things that keep the people from eating, things that keep the people from prospering, things that keep the people from becoming with the right education. Not this foolishness out here, they just teaching children any old thing and parents just riding off it. To get rid of the children, let them teach them anything they want. As long as I don't have to be bothered with them, as long as I don't have to go to the school. Some parents don't go to PTA. Some parents don't look at the yearly curriculum. They don't look at the yearly thing to see what their children being taught. 
They just go with the flow because they throw the children to the school and the school raise your children. And you got a, a Billy Bob, Jim Bob, you got little Bobo and little Ray Ray and all of them in there and they come from different, oh my goodness. So your child is absorbing in and every old thing and then when he get up, he become a gang member or he become a robber, a killer or whatever, you wondering what happened. You sent them to the school and you let the school raise them. Mine decided to hang out with them in the church who wasn't right. I never had problems with my children until I took them to the church and let them hang out with the relatives of the pastor. Then my children, I'm going to leave that alone right there. Yeah. They had a choice, but they chose. They chose evil over good. And right to this day, I promise you they're paying for it. And I know many days they probably say, why? Because you chose evil over good. I can't help who children you are. I can't help who you are, where you come from. If you choose evil over good, evil going to pay you. If you choose good, good is going to pay you. But folks can't wait for the good. They want things right now. But we got to wake up. Listen. God is real. And he so loved us all, he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believe on that son won't perish, but have everlasting life. Do you want eternal life? Do you really want to go back with Jesus when he comes? Or have you really considered hell for your home? Do you think you can stand that stench and that heat? Do you really think you can, you can make it down there? Do you think you can live in darkness with evil and demons and all this stuff forever? Do you really think you can do that? If not, let's make Jesus our choice today. Let's make Almighty God, Jehovah, that have all power, let's make him our choice. And let's get in his word and allow his word to get in us. Yes, let's get a Bible study life personal. Let's get a personal prayer life at home. Let us spend more time in that personal prayer closet than we do looking at TV, than we do listening to the things of the natural, because all of this is going to pass away. It won't always be like this. Yeah, you're not going to always be able to just have it like you have it right now. Things are changing by the second, I'm here to tell you. We woke up one morning and went to bed in peace and, and everything was all right. I could go in Walmart, through Walmart. I could go anywhere I wanted to go and I could travel, all kinds of beautiful things. Had just lost 60 wonderful pounds. Oh, my goodness. Woke up the very next day coronavirus was here. Listen. You don't know what's coming. Matter of fact, you don't know who's bringing it. That's another thing. We got to pray to make it today. You hear me? We got to know the word of God for ourselves and stand on the word. And after standing, we're going to stand some more on his word because we're standing on the sure foundation. His word won't be sharper than, oh, it won't be, and it won't break. Shopping than any two-edged sword. Anything coming your way, they shouldn't be. The word can cut it away from you. But we got to get serious about God's business. Do we really love him? Or is just the fact that 
we don't want people to think that we don't. Do we really love him? Because if you love him, you're going to obey him. If you love him, you're going to do the very best that you can to come out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're not making excuses. Because we full of them. Lord, I, I would have went over there and gave to them people, but God, you know I didn't have but a few crumbs to feed my house. That ain't what he's talking about. Give and it should be given unto you. Good measure, shaken together, pressed down. He said to give. And any time God is telling you to give, that means he got something great he want to give to you. But he want to see what kind of heart you have. Do you have a giving heart because he loves a cheerful giver? Oh, oh we, we're going to move when something tragic happens, especially in our family. Oh, that happened in my sister? Oh, I got to go over there? Yeah. But when it happened to somebody else, sister, oh, well. Honey, we praying for you and keep it moving. I stop right now and begin to pray with people. Yeah, I know people on Facebook look crazy because they put out there, pray for my sister, pray for my this, pray this. And I stop right then and go on and type a prayer. On Twitter, stop and type a prayer. I'm learning to put more and more prayers over in the prayer club. Yeah. If that's what it's for, I need to be praying over there more often. We got to pray to make it today. Forget about ourselves. Concentrate on him and obey him. I know it says to worship him, and we should, but we want to concentrate on him in obedience. His word says obedience is better than a sacrifice. Stop thinking you know. There's a way to seem right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. I have to get instructions daily from him through his word, through prayer. And I know they say God don't speak to man today. The devil is a fool and a liar and make a fool and a liar out of you. You over here laughing at other people, but the joke is on you. Because God is still speaking to his people. Those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Let me, let me share this, and we're moving on this morning. He is almighty God, Jehovah. Listen. There is no higher power than him. The earth is his. The fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Everything and everybody, including that devil, God have power over them and it. Do you hear me? So if he want to put money on the ground for you and he has done it, he will. They said the credit wasn't good enough. He can turn the credit around and it'll look like you have A1. Don't tell me what he won't do. Because your little mind, you got the mind the size of the brain the size of a pea. But you're dealing with all power. That did the scripture say with God all things are possible, but with man things are impossible. We can believe God for what we want. You can ask it in Jesus' name. 
He loved us this morning. Let's love him back. Let's show God some real genuine love. Let's get it right with him. Let's be careful. We may have to put some tape over our mouth to shut up. Put some tape over our mouth to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Be careful not to get angry so quick. And even if we get angry, don't sin and don't hold it. Forgive quickly and let it go. We're going to heaven. That's our goal. We want to go back with him when he comes. We want to obey him in the earth right now, today. Not tomorrow, but today. We want to obey God at any cost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I have a little clip I wanted you to hear. And I wanted to say this this morning because we judge people off what we hear. And uh, a lot of times we say, well, they, oh, they shouldn't have said that. I'm going to separate myself from them, this, this, that, and that. I'm learning more and more. Let God lead and guide. Because that's a way to seem right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. I want God to lead and guide. And see, because I'm not all that wrapped and tied up and tangled all up in the mess, I don't have to be against people. I can love my enemies. They may be my enemies, and I don't even know it. Do y'all hear me? Because I'm seeking God. I'm not seeking after the things of the world. Because the scripture says, seeking you are fine. Knocking the door be open. Well, first of all, asking it to be given. Huh? But when we caught up in the world and the world caught up into us, we, we looking at all this stuff. So we know what's going on and we can uh, be up on this. And that's all you're going to be too. And when the world wind comes, you're going to get caught up in it. Listen, I don't know about all this foolishness. Somebody tells me about it. News and news. I'm not a part of that foolishness. Somebody come and tell me. And guess what? God always sends me a warning. I'm 65 years old. He has not failed me since 19, well, way before 1993. But especially since 1993, God's been real good to me. So I'm not caught up into the world like most people. I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. And I thank God for warning. I thank, oh, I thank him. I thank him. Yeah. But it won't always be like this. You won't always be able to just go up in church and sit there in church. Yeah. Sing loud with the choir, you know. You won't always be able to just go up in there in peace and hear the preacher. And if you do, you're going to hear some foolishness. Well, these people got it twisted out here. They can dress any kind of way in the pulpit. The pulpit is to pull folks up out of hell. You and that the man with two earrings in his ear, he got the baby hair coming down, and he got the super fly hairdo like he's pipping because that's what he's doing. And the women, oh, he's so cute. Tat it up. And anybody know anything about folks with tattoos, Mental health is, is a huge thing going on. Now, that, that's from scientific medical stuff right there. Because the norm, a healthy mind does not pat up. Now, that, that's what they say. 
A healthy mind don't need tattoos. A healthy mind don't need piercings. You don't want to be tortured and in pain. Yeah, now, that, now that's science, medical. Medical science says this, not Barbara. You can tat up, you can pierce up, you can do what you want to do. But that body belongs to God. And we got to be careful what we do into these bodies. Oh, my goodness, tonight. It's all right this morning. And you know what? You are going to be the one that's wrong. Take my word for it. The old way, the old teachings, nobody want to hear that. And guess what? They will come against you for the truth. They own their way to hell, and they think they got it. Yeah. Oh, I could tell you some things, but I, I, I don't have time. <clears throat> yeah. Let's pray. Let's pray. We didn't get there yet. I got jumped out the box too excited this morning. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you love us in spite of. We thank you that you're God that look beyond fault and yet meet needs. We thank you, Lord, that you're patient, kind, loving, and merciful and gracious. We thank you that daily you give us another chance. You wake us up with a brand new chance to get it right with you. But Lord, many of us, we take the opportunity to be in this world and to get things together in this world. But Lord, we are people that want to get it right with you daily. We thank you for waking us up, closing our right minds. We thank you for the use and activities of our limbs, our life, our health and strength. But God, we want to use these things to bless you. We want to use these things to glorify you. We want to use these things to prepare for your return, for your coming back. And Father, you're looking for the church without spot or wrinkle. Bring us out of darkness today, all of us, Lord. Bring us into this marvelous light that, God, we will walk up right before you daily. Help us this morning to be your people because you're already our God. You so loved us, you sent your only begotten son. And we believe this morning. But, Father, we wish not to perish, and we want this everlasting life in you. Help us this morning in the name of Jesus. Father, increase our prayer life at home. Increase our Bible study life at home. Help us to talk more of your wondrous works and make known your deeds among the people. Strengthen us today as believers. Strengthen us as your people that we are following your son Jesus and his instructions of what you gave to him. Help us to become more like him. Let this mind be in us today that was also in your son Christ Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we are asking. Stir up your gifts in us, O oh God. Stir them up in us. The Lord, we will proclaim your gospel everywhere we go. When we see someone in need, God, and we're able to help, we come to the rescue, not looking for nothing but that you're pleased. Help us today in the name of Jesus. Help us to forget about ourselves and concentrate on you and obey you in your word. Father, bless us to study your word. Give us wisdom. Give us knowledge and understanding of your word. And teach us, Lord, how to apply it to our everyday life in the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you this morning that we can come boldly. Hallelujah. 
before the throne of grace and make our petition known unto you this morning. Move by your spirit for each of us today, O oh God. You know what we're standing in need of. Lord, whether it be healing, Lord, whether it be money, whether it be the house, we need somewhere to live, whatever the case may be this morning. Father, we ask that you would do it for us all in the name of Jesus. Touch and heal this morning. All with your stripes, Father, we are claiming it today. We're, we're proclaiming it. We're saying it out of our mouth today in believing you. With your stripes, we're already healed. In Jesus' name, bless those that are incarcerated and in every branch of the military. Father, have mercy upon the leadership this morning, O oh God. Turn them around, Lord, and show them your way, not their way, but show them your way today. In the name of Jesus. And Father, show them what's necessary or what human beings are supposed to be doing. Have mercy this morning, O oh Father. Or do it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm. Bless widowers and bereaved families, Father. Intercessory prayer people everywhere praying for others. In the name of Jesus. Bless intercessory. Oh, have mercy this morning. Mm. Move by your spirit, Lord, today. In Jesus' name. Father, bless your preachers everywhere preaching in the name of Jesus and obedience unto you and love for your people. Continue to bless Israel and prosper Jerusalem. Father, keep them safe from all hurt, harm, or danger. Bless all our brothers and sisters overseas this morning. Lord, you know what's best for them. Open doors and make ways like they've never seen before. In the name of Jesus, we bind up every evil and hindering and negative spirit, God, that's keeping them 100% from you this day. And we cast it to the pits of hell in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we ask that you would rebuke it for their sake or in Jesus' name, that they can come out with the praise unto you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you this morning. Father, move by your spirit today. Father, bless the prayer club. Bless those people that says amen over there and those that say good morning over there. Move by your spirit for them today in the name of Jesus. Bless the prayer request club. Move for those people, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, continue to bless America and the leadership. Uh, forgive us all this morning of all our sins and our wrongdoings this morning, wrong thoughts, wrong speaking, and wrong feelings. And Lord, though our sins be as scarlet, we ask this morning that as Americans, you would wash us all as white as snow. Or oh, forgive us today in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you. We thank you this morning. Bless the sick men of Jesus in the morning. Have your way here. Move for your people here today like never before. Move for their children, oh God. Move for their grandchildren, their great-grands today in the name of Jesus. You know what they all stand in need of. And Lord, in this hour, strengthen Connie Bronner and her family, God. Lord, move for them in a mighty way in the name of Jesus. We thank you. 
We give you glory. We give you the honor and praise. Father, we ask it all again in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. Have mercy this morning, oh God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. Thank you for what you've done already. You're almighty God and have all power and the earth is yours and you can have your way here this morning, Lord. Move by your spirit in a big way today, God. We need you. We, we can't make it without you. The word is coming true more and more daily. It's unfolding before our very eyes and we need your strength. We need your power to get through. Father, help us that nothing will separate us from your love. And we will continue in you in the name of Jesus. Forgive those, Lord, who are leading your people astray, who are misleading and misguiding false and fake preachers and those that are after money and not the souls of your people. Have mercy this morning, oh God. Move by your spirit, Lord. Those that are caught up into the world, seminary and theology and all this stuff, have mercy this morning, oh God. Hmm. Help us to seek your face. Help us to seek your face 100%. Turn from our wicked ways. Humble ourselves, oh God, and pray more often. Study your word as often as possible. Help us to walk in your word daily. Help us to keep our mind on you, Father. Oh, we need you this morning. We ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you today. We can't thank you enough. Hey, Lord, if we had 10,000 tongues, Father, we begin to praise you with everyone. It wouldn't be enough. Mm. Have mercy, have mercy today, and help us, Lord. Help us to draw closer to you like never before. Um, help us to keep our mind on you, that, God, we would do what's right before you daily. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. We're grateful. Hmm. Unto him today, for there's none like him. Listen, we're going to one more request of the morning, and I had this clip. I want to play it, but I got to see how the Lord is going to lead and guide in this today. And uh, it's already all right. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
When I was 16, I got really sick. I was run down, working hard in school, not eating properly. And I got pneumonia. And an abscess developed on my lung. Well, one day the abscess burst and I hemorrhaged. I needed blood. Pretty sure everybody thought I might die. Obviously, I didn't. But some say that God saved me. Believers think God communicates to us through miracles, that miracles are proof of the divine. Now I'm going on a journey to discover the power of miracles. You fell from up there down to here. What did the doctor say? You are a miracle. To discover what's luck and what is fate. In the Chinese thought, everything has a reason for why it occurred. To see how belief in miracles can change history. The miracles symbolize the beginning of the Jewish people and how faith can change lives. You are looking at a true miracle of God. To achieve what appears to be impossible. The real miracle is to transform the human mind. That's the miracle we need. believe in God, believe God is watching over us. Every moment of every day, guiding us, saving us. To me, it has to be a miracle that he can look out for all seven billion of us. So when I heard about Alcides Moreno, I had to come to New York and hear his story. Well, here we are. Eight years ago, Alcides came to work as a window washer at this 47-story tower in Manhattan. Tell me about it. What happened? I wake up in the morning, take my car and commute from New Jersey and come to the building. You take the elevator. And go all the way to the top. The top is 47, 47 stories. Stairs. Yes. And climb to the platform. Alcides had just begun to lower the platform when one of the two cables holding it snapped. I just grabbed the scaffold and I fell up until another cable snapped. Trying to mirror the scaffold like that. 
between the two buildings? Yeah, between two buildings. Right. He was right in the middle. They picked me up from there. Alcides fell 47 stories, 500 feet. He broke 10 bones. His lungs collapsed. He needed 43 pints of blood and plasma. He spent three weeks in a coma. Do you remember the day you woke up from the coma? I woke up December 24th, right there in the bed, and my wife was there. A fall from just 10 stories is something hardly anyone survives. Doctors say Alcides' 47-story plunge was beyond belief. I've seen it all, or at least I think I have, until um, something like this happens. You fell from up there down to here. Yes. And here, here you are. Yes, sir. And look at that. Walking, everything. Give me a name for that. I mean, the doctor told me, you are a miracle, man. You are a miracle. What do you think? I don't know. Still, I don't know. Alcides has a hard time accepting this as a miracle because he was not alone when he fell. His younger brother was on this platform with him. He died the moment he hit the ground. What was your brother's name? Edgar. Edgar. There we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two faces, same. Very nice. My brother's a big loss. Were you close? Really, really close. That was a great man. I'm sorry, Alcides. It must be very painful. Yes. I just bring it to work with me to help it out. Mm. Because he's younger? Oh, yes, I was younger than me. That's a good man. You think God saved you? I think so, yeah, I believe that. Yeah. So that makes you the miracle. But at the same time, your brother is gone, the yeah. one you... Do you worry about that? Do you, do you try to reconcile that? Try to figure out why him, uh, not, me. not you? Well, I, yes. I ask him, why, why, what happened? Why? It was me. I would wonder every day. God gave me a second chance, I mean, to, to keep going, though. To keep going with my life. And I'm still looking forward to find out what exactly I have to do. Alcides is no longer a window washer. He and his wife have a new life in Arizona, where they are raising their family. He's still trying to understand whether God has a plan for him. Why me? Does God have a purpose for me? Alcides wonders why <coughs> did I survive when my beloved brother did not? Why? I mean. Is there some entity that makes that choice? Or is uh, do we live with randomness? 
just pure, mindless randomness. For Christians, miracles are proof that life is not random. They believe God intervenes in the world for a reason. Jews also believe in the power of miracles. In fact, their faith was built on a bedrock of divine intervention. I've come to Jerusalem to see how Jews celebrate the miracles of their exodus from Egypt on a night that's different from all other nights. Passover. Hi. Hello there. How do you do? I'm very well indeed. This is for you. Thank you very much. And I'm a Viva. Hello, Viva. Welcome to my home. Oh, Lord. Rabbi Maya. Maya Leibovitch is the first Israeli-born woman ever to become a rabbi. Yeah, yeah. I've known a few rabbis, of never a lady. I hope you enjoyed the Seder, <laughs> and we'll do our utmost to make it... Uh, food, I'll be okay. Food, yeah, food, food. yes. <laughs> this is the um, charoset. And you get to taste it, and you're going to decide if it's, it's got to make it feel. It's got to make you feel as if you're getting drunk. Is it whiny enough? To tell you the truth, I think it's enough. I think it's enough too. <laughs> okay, guys, let's get started. Seder Pesach is starting. Come on, everybody, sit down. One of the most important traditions in uh, Judaism, and this has been ordered to us from uh, our ancestors, uh, thou shall not speak on your cell phone during the Seder. <laughs> so we have a cell phone basket here. The month that we came out of Egypt is called in Hebrew Nisan. Nisan comes from the word Nisim, which is miracles. It's the month of the miracles, which will symbolize the beginning of the Jewish people as a people as an entity. The way we go with the Seder is that uh, we, we read the, through the Haggadah. So uh, Morgan, as our guest, we would uh, welcome you to start with the, the bread of affliction. This is the bread of affliction that our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Let all that are hungry enter and eat, and all who are in want come and celebrate the Passover. This year we are slaves, next year we shall be free men. The Passover meal is a celebration of the bond Jews feel with God. And it's an occasion for children to understand the foundation of their faith. The Seder recounts how the Jews escaped slavery. <laughs> thanks to God striking the Egyptians with a series of ten plagues. So, Rabbi, yes. why Passover? What does the word itself refer to? When God brought upon Egypt the tenth plague of killing the firstborn, he told the Israelites to put blood on the thresholds of their homes. And the angel of death passed over the homes of the Hebrews and only took the firstborn of the Egyptians. Many Jews believe God's sparing of their children was proof they were his chosen people. But this was not the only divine sign. 
the miracle of getting out of Egypt was followed by the miracle of splitting of the sea. God made two miracles. One was splitting the sea before the Hebrews and then closing it before the Egyptians. So God wants us to remember the Egyptians are just his sons as we are. So by putting drops of um, wine on our uh, plates, we're actually putting drops of sorrow that God had lost so many of his children while saving the others. This acknowledgement that the Exodus miracles didn't benefit everyone reminds me of Alcides Moreno. Divine will is not easy to understand. So what is your take on the whole idea of the series of miracles? I don't think anybody's going to split the sea for us today. I wish somebody would bring peace to us today. <laughs> the Bible is not a uh, book of history. The Bible is a book of ideas. The question is, what can we learn from it? What can we take into our own lives? It's a way of saying thank you, you know? It's a way of teaching the kids that every small thing is not granted, that you need to say thank you. It's nice to have parents. It's lovely to have a roof above your head. That's probably the biggest miracle yeah. of all of them, that uh, yeah. Jews are still here. I want them to come out with the idea that miracles can happen. That's the story. The Israelites saw these miracles as proof that God cared about them. Not all modern Jews believe in the miracles of Passover, but these stories still define them as a people. And that deep well of tradition and moral strength has sustained them, been called on by them for thousands of years to get them through hard times. Around the world, belief in miracles gives people strength. In Mexico City, the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe marks the spot where the Virgin Mary is said to have appeared to a peasant 500 years ago. In Hong Kong, Buddhist pilgrims flock to the statue of Guanyin, who they hope will grant them medical cures, a spouse, or good grades. And in Rome, miracles can turn ordinary people into saints. I've come to the Vatican to understand how the Catholic Church verifies miracles. I think the first time I was at the Vatican was about 1983. I'm meeting Monsignor Marcelo Sanchez Sorondo, the head of the Pontifical Academy of Sciences. So let's talk just for a moment about miracles. Do miracles really exist? For instance, Jesus walking on water? In the life of Christ, if you don't accept the miracles, it's impossible to understand. Each page of the gospel is a miracle of Christ. To consider a person a saint, the church needs a miracle. In order to have saints, you have to have miracles. Yes. Unless you are a martyr, the only way to sainthood is to be deemed responsible for performing two miracles after you die. 
Pope John Paul II became a saint in 2014, after two women who prayed to him after his death claimed to be miraculously cured, one of Parkinson's disease, another of a brain aneurysm. The Vatican spends years investigating these claims, sometimes decades. The church has a devil's advocate who goes and whenever anybody uh, claims to have seen or experienced a miracle, the church sends the advocate to investigate. Yes, they have to advocate and have scientific people, special doctors, to, to prove that this, uh, this is an special intervention of God. So if I come and say I have experienced a miracle, would the church then say, okay, well, we'll check that out? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were to check. Does the hand of God really intervene? Not just in matters of life and death, but also in the ups and downs of our daily lives? Or does everything that happens, happen by chance? What, if anything, governs the seemingly random moments that change our lives and send us into different directions? Like a poor boy from Mississippi ending up in Hollywood. I always loved the movies always dreamed I would be in them. I was a believer. And I actually made it. Now, was that a miracle? Most of us have a turning point in our lives, a pivotal moment where you wondered, how did this happen? Mine was 1989. I made three films, Lean On Me, Driving Miss Daisy, and Glory. Did I make it happen? Was someone up there calling the shots? Or was I lucky? To try to understand this, I've arranged to meet a psychology professor who thinks we often mistake random chance for miracles. Danny Oppenheimer. Nice to see you. How are you today? I'm good, and you? I'm good. Good. What are you doing? I'm flipping coins. Why? I'm looking for streaks. Streaks? Yeah, if you flip a coin enough times, you're gonna get a streak. Really? That's a lot of tails. Well, if I flip a coin twice and I get heads both times, is that miraculous? Uh, no. You do it 50 times and you get 60. That's a miracle. Well, yeah, if you get more than you flip, certainly. <laughs> but how rare does an event have to be before we would call it miraculous? One in a million? One in a billion? I'll choose billion. All right, one in a billion. Well, let's try something. All right. Jack of diamonds. Mm -hmm. Six of spades. Yeah. King of spades. Mm -hmm. Two of hearts. Seven of diamonds and... Ace of spades. Is it miraculous to have gotten this sequence? No. I mean, it's just, just a random selection of cards off the deck. Well, right. But this particular sequence, starting with the jack, yeah. and then getting the six of spades, and then king of spades, 
it only happens one in about 14 billion times you draw six cards. So it's pretty miraculous by your one in a billion standard. So you're telling me that this is miraculous? Well, no. As you said before, it's just a random set of cards. What if it was first six digits of your social security number? What if it were the last six digits of your social security number? The first six digits of your phone number? Sometimes it's not actually miraculous. Sometimes it's just probability playing its uh, tricks on you. All right, so how do we include the divine? Because there are people who really do think that there is divine intervention in these kinds of interplays. Absolutely, and nothing I'm saying here rules out the possibility of the divine. The fact that probability predicts certain things doesn't mean that there can't be divine intervention. But miraculous things that are so unlikely that you think it can't happen by chance alone, they do happen, and they have to happen. It would be odd if they didn't, because with six billion people in the world, there are so many opportunities for something really unusual to happen. We would expect it to happen to some of them. It's human nature to make a symphony out of the cacophony of events going on around us. It doesn't mean that divine providence doesn't exist. In fact, as I learned when I was in Rome, in the past, chance and God coexisted. The ancient Romans had a different take on miracles. Before they became Christians, Romans had many gods. They believed the gods controlled their fate and everything that happened was decided by them. Archaeologist Valerie Higgins tells me the gods even determined the outcome of sporting events. So we're here in the Circus Maximus. This mm -hmm. was the largest uh, circus in Rome, in fact, in the Roman Empire. And uh, this was where they did chariot racing. We are actually standing on the track. Yeah, the starting gates were down there, mm -hmm. and they would race through here up to the other end, where they would turn around and then go back down that end. And they would do that seven times. At least a quarter of a million people could fit in here. Bedlam. Yeah, right. So this was a place that was full of life and full of action. Well, it must have been uh, quite a lot like uh, modern-day horse racing, you know, betting and wagering. And For sure, yes. We know there was lots of betting and lots of gambling. Gambling, particularly on dice games, was frowned upon because you were betting on the will of the gods. But widespread gambling began to change the way Romans thought about fate and opened the way for belief in miracles. How did gambling fit with the idea that your fate was already set no matter what you did? Mm. You were going to wind up the way you were going to wind up. They did very much believe that their fate was uh, set. But, you know, it didn't make them passive. They certainly did everything they could to get the gods behind their riders. I would ask, like for instance, of a day of a big race, you know, uh, and the ancient Romans were thinking, well, it's in the hands of the gods, but we need to know what the gods want. Right, how, right. How, how would we figure that out? How did they go about figuring out what the gods wanted? What the gods wanted? Well, you had to go to a priest who was specialized in this sort of thing. Just around the corner from the racetrack, Hidden in an alleyway and down in a basement, Valerie takes me to see the remains of a temple that dates back to the third century. 
place where Romans may have tried to twist the will of the gods. This is spectacular. Yes, it is. What we're coming into now is a Mithraeum. Mithraeum. Yeah, that's right. It's a special kind of ritual space mm -hmm. for the cult of Mithra. He's the god. He's killing the bull. Mithras was a god for men. Tough men, soldiers, powerful businessmen. So we're here in this Mithraeum, which is kind of like the original man cave. We know they did a lot of feasting. Would there be any of the uh, 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 priests down there here? There would be them? priests down here, yes, I think, for sure, um, who would be overseeing the feasting, because it was quite essential that you did the ritual, you know, correctly to ensure that your team was going to be successful in the Circus Maximus. So here we are down here, and we're doing all of the rituals, and so are we really trusting to take care of what we want taken care of, or do we do a little... No, that doesn't stop you giving fate a helping hand. Uh, certainly we know there was a lot of cheating that went on uh, in the circus match. No. Oh, I'm afraid so. They did everything they could to make things work, to make them successful, and they certainly weren't above cheating. The fact that you were allowing the gods to decide uh, your fate didn't mean that you couldn't help them along if you could, if you uh, could help yeah, them yeah, you know, it, because their idea is that the God works for you and that's in every aspect of your life including of course your team racing in the Circus Maximus. Yeah. The Romans don't have faith, they just follow the ritual. They have faith. They had faith, quite right, they had faith, not yeah. faith. That H makes a big difference. The ancient Romans believed that if you were good to the gods, they would be good to you. Every single event, from winning a chariot race to rolling of the dice, could be the result of divine intervention, a minor miracle. I'm just trying to work out how a couple of millennia of Catholicism might have changed the way the Romans think. Do they still think God will intercede and reward their faith with a royal flush, perhaps? The idea that nothing in our lives happens by chance did not die with the culture of ancient Rome. It remains alive and well in the Chinese philosophy and religion, Taoism. Taoism dates back nearly two millennia. Gods are not the focus of Taoism. The focus is the Tao, the ultimate creative energy of the universe to which we are all connected. This interconnectedness means our fates are all set at birth. So, do Taoists believe miracles are possible? To find out, I'm heading to the heart of the Chinese community in Los Angeles to meet a fourth-generation Taoist faith calculator named Jenny Liu. Jenny Liu? Morgan Freeman. Yes, ma'am. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Come on in, please. Thank you. So, do you do my life chart? 
I did. We have you here at June 1st, so 6-1-1937, 2 a.m. Is that correct? Yes. Your life map. That's a snow where over 120 stars are located at your time of birth. These stars configure a certain energy field that impacts the quality and success of your life. So in Chinese, we don't call this astrology, actually. We call it fate calculation. Fate calculation. Covers your life in 10-year okay. periods. You see from age 6 to 15 is one, 16 to 25, and so on and so forth. So what's now between 76 and 85? Right now, you're in your friendship sector. In your friendship sector, the star that's there is called Wintang. This star represents scholars, learned people. These are the people that you want to surround yourself with. So far, so good. So far, so good. And one of the reasons why maybe you have not come here yet until today is one of the stars in your personal sector is called Lianzhen. And Lianzhen is the adventurer. Somebody who likes to take things as they come. So if my fate is already laid out, does that leave room for, like, miracles? Absolutely. We don't think of astrology chart as predestined, that it's your only fate that's carved in stone. We see a life map, just like we say, life is a journey. And go on any journey, you need to have a map. There's going to be dead ends. There's going to be multiple potholes. If you know where they are, you're still in charge of your own car. This is just a navigation system. You can learn. If you can understand how you're connected to everything around you, that is a miracle waiting to happen. So is this connected to feng shui? Feng shui, this is based on the Taoist thought. Everything around us is connected. Everything is made of energy. We're all connected through this energy. Feng is wind. Shui is water. It's an energy that we cannot destroy or create. It's always there, but we can divert it. We can harness it. In Chinese, we can ride it, exactly. I was going to say, in Chinese, let's say, birds do not fly, they are flown. Fish do not swim, they are carried. They are carried, they are swum by water. We always think, particularly in Christianity, that a miracle is a result of divine intervention. In the Chinese thought, everything is connected. Everything has a reason for it, why it occurred. Thank you. Thank you. Feng Shui. Wind, water. Birds don't fly, they ride the wind. Fish don't swim, they're carried. Everything that happens to us is a result of all the things that we are connected to. What we call divine intervention is merely connections we weren't aware of. Makes me wonder if we shouldn't maybe stop trying so hard to control our lives and learn to ride the wave of life. Our lives are filled with unexpected twists and turns. Some believe there's nothing beyond randomness. Others say we are propelled by the will of God or the energy of the universe. Both those beliefs could make the difference between life and death because the human mind could have a hidden power to unleash a miracle.
I'm traveling the world trying to understand the power of miracles. And I've come to Cairo to find out if that power could come from our own minds. I'm visiting one of the world's oldest hospitals, a place that was famous for combining medical science with the healing power of belief. So the writings around the building describe the founding of this hospital and of the entire complex. Harvard historian of Islam and physician Ahmed Bagab has brought me to the Kalawun complex, which first opened its doors around 1285 AD. This would be the entrance through which patients would normally walk. Wow. This is a dramatic change from outside. This is actually by design. When you walk into this corridor, from the outside, the sunny and the dirty street, and it's very noisy, you walk in here, it's a dark, calm, shaded corridor. Patients came here hoping to be cured by both cutting-edge medicine and a miraculous intervention from God. I want to show you something here. Oh, okay. Oh, my goodness. The construction here is the most impressive thing I've, I think I've seen anywhere. This is the shrine of Sultan Qalawun, the founder of this hospital. Patients would have come in and offer a prayer of thanks for the Sultan. Mm -hmm. Slowly, Qalawun himself becomes connected to the idea of healing. It's like in this history, we're looking at the making of a healing saint. Does that mean that there becomes a connection between faith and healing? Medicine as a whole was seen as the conduit of the will of God. So at the end of the day, we fall sick. Um, in part, this is something that God wills. And we would only be healed through medicine, but only by the will, will of God. Exactly. So actually, everything that happens is the will of God. Exactly. <laughs> Centuries ago, Muslims believed faith and medicine worked hand in hand. But can belief in divine intervention actually help medicine heal us today? Tom Renfro is familiar with the cliche, the miracle of modern medicine, because he's a practicing physician but he also believes in divine miracles and that one happened to him. It was 18 years ago that I stood there to give thanks to God for healing me. And what I told you at that time was you are looking at a true miracle, a miracle of God. The Hunt for Miracles stories has brought Indiana University scholar Candy Gunter Brown to Norton, Virginia to meet Tom. She's studying whether faith and prayer can actually improve medical outcomes. The question that I, really interests me is what happens when people pray for healing? Well, Candy, it was in 1996, in the fall of that year, that I found a nodule on the back of my neck. Later on that fall, I found more nodules under my arm, 
and I sought medical attention and the biopsy under my arm showed that I had an unusual form of lymphoma called mantle cell lymphoma. The prognosis was very poor and they gave me months to live and basically told me, enjoy what time you have left. And the goal is to hopefully keep me alive through Christmas. I was a physician. I knew the objective evidence that was there. I was in multi-organ failure. I had a disease that there was no medicine or cure for that would wipe this disease out. Instead of despair, the Lord wants us to remember, I have brought you all this way. I'm not gonna leave you here by yourself. Did you have medical treatments? Uh, no, I did not have medical treatments, not at that time. The tumors continued to progress, and as they progressed, the people came together more and more intense with prayer. Our pastor organized a weekend prayer to where people would come and pray, perhaps even all night, and it was a remarkable time. By now, the tumors were the size of apples on my neck. My arms stuck out because of the massive adenopathy under my arms. My abdomen was expanding. Uh, I was dying. The Lord actually spoke to me and said, now it's the time to go to the hospital. Chemotherapy typically only delays the progress of mantle cell lymphoma. It's not a cure. So they started an infusion, and it was like the rock that, that David threw at Goliath. Before the infusion even completed, there was something that changed in me physically. The tumors, they became like a Nerf ball, like a sponge, and very soft. And they started disappearing in front of your eyes. And all this massive adenopathy just disappeared over the next 24, 48 hours. It was gone. Do you ever wonder, did the chemotherapy just work better than the doctors expected it to work? The chemotherapy, it wasn't designed to cure. No one expected the tumors to utterly start disappearing or melting. I should have died multiple times during this illness, from pulmonary embolism, from pneumonia, from renal failure. But I had faith, I had people that poured their words into me to encourage me. And I believe through that, that God intervened and healed me. And here we are, 18 years later, me talking to you. To me, that is a miracle. That is a miracle that I'm here. Why did Tom Renfro survive when so many people who pray for healing don't make it? Tom believes the power of his faith and that of the people around him helped the chemotherapy achieve the impossible. It strikes me that much of what we call miraculous starts right here in the mind. We close our eyes in prayer, don't we? And I think that's because the goal is to focus the mind to transcend the distractions of everyday life, to set our minds to achieve what at first we might fear 
is impossible. I've come to India to explore a religion that believes we all have the mental power to perform miracles. This is the Mahabodhi Temple in Bodh Gaya. According to Buddhist tradition, 2,500 years ago, a man named Siddhartha Gautama came to the realization that the human mind had immense untapped powers. In doing so, he founded an entirely new religion, Buddhism. And tradition says he did it right here under this tree. I want to understand what Buddhists believe happened to Siddhartha as he sat under the tree. Tibetan monk Losang Tenpa has promised to help me find out. So, That's the way I'm, done, I'm huh? glad you could come. Oh, me too. Uh, so too. this is our holiest spot where the Buddha attained awakening. Losang tells me he'll get me to understand the miracle of the Buddha's enlightenment and he'll do it by challenging my mind to get me to see the light myself. Yeah. So what do you know about what do you know about Buddha? I mean, uh, what do they well, teach you in America? Uh, I learned that he was of noble birth, yeah, and uh, he grew up very, very sheltered. And, that. and then one day he wandered out of the compound. That's right. And began to see the life as it really was. Yep. Why 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 did he do that? That's the question you're going to answer. Well, how would you like it if your father had decided as soon as you were born that this baby of mine is going to be the king? So I've got to keep him in this palace surrounded by beautiful sense objects, Sounds flowers good. that never droop, beautiful young ladies Sounds who never good. look old. Sounds perfect. Isn't that perfect? That yeah. Sounds, but this guy really wasn't satisfied with that. Would have left the palace, right? Yes. And do you know what he saw when he left the palace? Well, uh, as I understand it, he, he saw suffering. He saw real life. In what was, form? In what form? Well, there were old people, cripples, yeah. uh, beggars, yeah. people who had nothing, people who were hungry. Yeah, it's, like, a, it's like an eye-opener. It's eye like a wow. He saw death. Yeah. His father, death his father didn't want him to see death. It made him think so strongly. He felt, I've got to leave this place I've, I've and find it. out what is the cause of this. Why do people suffer? Siddhartha roamed for six years, seeking to understand the cause of suffering, until he finally came to the shade of a ficus tree and decided that he would stay right on that spot, focusing his mind until he discovered how to end human suffering. After sitting motionless for an entire night, Siddhartha achieved a mental transformation. Buddhists say he became the Buddha, the enlightened one. Taught us, he said, you know what a good doctor would tell a patient. Man, you're sick. You're sick. You're suffering. You know, you have a problem. Second, I know the cause. Basically, this craving, attachment. The Buddha realized that by letting go of his desires, and his attachment to the material world, he could rid himself of suffering. For the Buddha, 
and for generations of Buddhists after him, this freedom from attachment seems to allow a remarkable, perhaps even miraculous, mental and physical focus. You know, he was so grateful to this tree under which he sat and achieved this amazing realization. He sat in this area for seven weeks, and for one of those weeks, just gazing unwinkingly, they say. Unmoving and unblinking for seven days. It's possible, why not? We haven't exercised our minds. We're so busy with external things, buying and selling and doing all the things I mean, we do. And you've never actually seen a yogi in, yeah. in action? Well, in a sense, it's an amazing thing, but you and I can do it. For Buddhists, years of mental training and showing love and compassion to others can free them from suffering. Walking around this temple, you feel like a miracle really could happen. The miracle of people being content with their lives. People getting along together. Do you want to just come and see how a Tibetan Lama teaches Western students? Sure. How are you? I am well. How are you, sir? Very good. I saw your movie. Oh, you did? Which one? <laughs> I don't know. Who else likes my movie? <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Shortcut. We all need to care and love and respect each other. That is the source of happiness. Whoever had that, their journey is good. Whoever not keep this in heart, journey is not good. Thank you. From today, you are my friend. Well, well. I like you. <laughs> so, a lot of religions are pretty much miracle-based. I mean, Christianity, Judaism. Right. Really. Right. Uh, you don't do miracles? But what's a miracle? I mean... Flying in the sky, is that a miracle? It Birds is, do it. it is, it Birds is, it. but we normally think of miracles as some sort of divine thing, something that, okay. that gives us proof of God or something, you know. Okay, so that we could ask, where is God? We ask the mystics or the yogis, where is God? They'll, they'll point here, they won't point up there. They'll say it's in here. So then, if you're being inspired by your inner God, Buddha, Christ, you know, Krishna, whatever you want to call it, maybe then you can perform what's called a miracle. What does this world need the most? It needs healing, right? Love. It needs uh, reconciliation. I think that's a miracle, and that's the miracle we need. We don't need people levitating three inches off their butt, you know, while meditating. That's stupid. Okay. So let's stick to the real miracle, which is to transform the human mind, really. All right. You know what you just did? What? You solved the problem of miracles. Thank you. <laughs> I can walk up. <laughs> uh, all right, my book. It's ironic 
That a man who wanted us to tap into the power that we all have within ourselves is thought of as some sort of divine being. The point of Buddhism, as far as I can see, is to teach us that we are all capable of much more than we might believe we are. We just concentrate on it, just put our minds to it. I used to struggle to make sense of miracle stories, how oceans could be parted, how it was possible to walk on water. But I think I was missing the point. To believe in miracles is to believe there is more to life than meets the eye. To accept there could be something that connects us, unites us. So many souls pass through this world and as our paths cross, miraculous things can and do happen. People get the breaks they always wanted. People inspire one another. People fall in love. And whether these events are orchestrated by the hand of God, the power of the mind, or just a one in a million chance, I believe we should believe in miracles. Because miracles, however you define them, help us to, well, they give us hope. They drive us to create reality out of possibility. Okay, Mr. Morgan Freeman this morning and uh, the power of miracles. And I tell you, it felt a little strange in a way because I see the different ways that people believe. And uh, I see the ways that people, uh, not everyone seek God for a miracle. You know, they can believe it come through some other way or some other thing. But many of us, we believe all miracles come through God, you know, and if it be his will. And I believe because we're givers, I believe because we care about each other, uh, many days he sent uncommon miracles our way. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt this was not man done. We know that this was not just something fell out the sky. We know that only God could work this miracle for us. I've had many miracles worked in my life, many, and I know only God could have. Listen to this. When I got three years <laughs> in prison for all the bad things I had done, three years only, I knew only God. That was a miracle. Listen to me good. I knew when I only served 19 months on a three-year sentence with a bunch of other stuff rolling behind it, and I was blessed to get it fixed before the date for me to be released, that was a miracle. I didn't have an attorney. When I opened 
my first social services agency. It was called Social Assistance Services. And I incorporated it myself. I knew that was a miracle only God could have. When I got a, a stable job that I could retire from after leaving prison with the number behind my name, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that was a miracle and the favor that God gave me on that job. There are many miracles. Some miracles happen and people take it lightly. They don't see it as a miracle. They see it as, oh, well, this is just going to happen. I remember when he first came on talking, uh, the guy's brother fell and hit the ground and died instantly. And his brother lived. He fell too, but he lived. And he was trying to figure out why. Well, it was plain as the nose on my face why. God was not through with you yet. Yeah. And there was more to your life that had to come about. And if we'll seek God, we can find all of these wonderful things out, all of them. But we got to seek him with our whole heart. And we can't seek him for 15 minutes and then don't seek him no more until we hear somebody say something and strike a a light come on in our head. We got to constantly seek him to find out what is it you would have me to do. I need you, Lord Jesus, and I need you right now. And I need you to show me the way to go. And if he saved you, he gave you some gifts. You, you got some gifts. And we just need to ask God to stir up the gifts in us so we'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt what it is he would have us to do. Yeah, which way to go. One of the greatest things I know he wants us to be unto him, he wants us to be a great testimony unto him. He wants us to be the candle that sit on the hill that can't be hid. He wants us to hold up the bloodstained banner concerning his son, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let others know. And one of the greatest things and the main thing, he wants us to love one another. He don't want me to love you because you'll give something. He don't want me to love you because I feel like you love me. He just wants us to love and not like the world loves. Hallelujah. But love like he loves. He looked beyond <laughs> all our faults and songs. I need. Sometimes we have to look beyond the fault of the person and see the need. Amazing grace. Oh, I love it. I love it. Shall always be my song of praise. Hallelujah. Boy, it was grace that bore my liberty. He brought my freedom to grace. I do not know still until this day. How much he came to love me so. Why he came to love me so. He looked beyond all my faults <laughs> and songs. He see my need today. And that's what he want us to do for each other. Love is important because God is love. And he want us to look beyond the fault of each other and love one another. Again, not as the world, because you know how the world do it. Hey, if you're a great ball player, I'm on your side. Let me get your autograph. I can't hear enough about you. 
If you're a great singer and you're hitting the number one on the charts, hey, I can't hear your song enough. Let me get your autograph. Nothing I won't do for you. Nothing I wouldn't give you. But let me start the dwindle down. Let that start dwindling down. I'm no longer the top ball player. I'm no longer the top singer. I'm no longer that actor that you just love my acting. And see where it gets you. Uh-huh. But he wants us to love beyond that. You may not never give me nothing, but I must love you. And it can't be from my lips. It's got to be from my heart. And that's what's wrong today with the world. There's not enough love. There's enough foolishness. There's enough lies and fake and false. But there is not enough love. And the way this thing has turned, they said uh, there's a thing called a traditional relationship. I thought it was only one kind, but I see nowadays it's, it's a different type. It's different types of relationship. Uh, someone one was trying to explain to me a traditional relationship is basically when the man comes and uh, asks the lady if he can take her out and if they enjoyed each other's company then they talk more about seeing each other more often. And so I was like, oh, okay, okay. There are many other different types of relationships. Uh, a relationship where the man sit home and play video games all day. He don't cook. He don't wash d dishes. He, well, he don't do no cleaning, no laundry, no nothing. He just play video games. And the woman in the relationship, she go out and she work and she bring everything in. Even if they have children, she take the children to the daycare and he's home alone playing video games, getting in trouble and all kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Then there's some other kind of relationships. Uh, it's many. It's many. But I only know about that traditional relationship. That's the one I know about between the man and the biological woman. The biological man and the biological woman. They were born that way. The woman have ovaries. She was born with them. She have a uterus. She was born with that. Uh, nobody, you know, put her on a wig and some makeup and stuff. And she looks like a woman, but DNA says she's not. Now, I, I don't know about all of that, but I know about the biological woman and the biological man coming together. And they don't come together to live together uh, just so they can have more stuff. But they come together because they found out they couldn't live without each other. So they decided to get married. Not because you what I need, because I need somebody to keep my house and cook cook meals, and when I'm short on bills, you go to work and help me pay. No, not somebody that uh, I, I like nice things and you can buy me nice things so I want to be with you. No, we can't live without one another because we complete each other. I make you happy, you make me happy. You like waking up seeing me, I like waking up seeing you. I like the fact that during the day while you're on the job, I can call you. While I'm working, you can call me and we can talk just to hear your voice. That, now, that's the kind of relationship 
I know about. That other stuff, I don't know about it. Yeah. And as far as me having all the voice, uh, basically, in the I don't know about that either. I know about we have an equal voice. We come together, you know, so that we can continue to be with each other. We can continue to keep going. And if we was in a position that we wanted children, we could have children. And it's already been decided on how we discipline our children, the way that we're going to bring our children up. But today you got so much stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if I ran into a monster, a real-life monster. That somebody, it started off being a human being. And because of the way it come up, it turned into a monster. It looks like a man. She looks like a woman. But she have no feelings. He have no feelings. Age doesn't matter. Who you are doesn't matter. There's no respect for nothing. If they feel like going into a restaurant and they get angry about something, they just tear the restaurant up. Because what we have not done. We have not stayed with God. We have not stayed on the path that he had planned out for man or mapped out for man. We got off course in our feelings. Well, I feel like I look good in purple hair. I I never consider I was born this way and God gave me black hair or off-brown hair or whatever color. I never considered that. I never considered he gave me these brows, these particular lashes. My eyes are shaped the way that they shape. The eye color is what he gave me. So I can't consider getting another eye color. I, I can't consider putting a thicker lash on because this is what he gave me. The shape of my eye is the shape of it. Yeah. I can lose weight to become healthier or even to look better if I choose to. But I can't be cutting and and, 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 and tucking and pinning and pulling. That's not what he gave me. And I can't have stuff just taken out because I want it took out. Because he gave me all these parts in my body and on my body for me. I can't choose, well, you know, I like the name hero, and I feel like I'm a hero, and I feel like many men I've dealt with, they were heroes, so I'm going to have a hero tatted on the inside of my left arm, and on the right arm, I'm going to have tatted on the inside, always and forever. What? And then I'm going to pierce my nose, my tongue, my chin. I'm going to do all of these things because this is what I want to do. But it's not my body. Well, who who takes consideration for that? I got a mind. I can think of to do these things. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to talk about what I like. But I just simply want to remind us this morning, it's appointed on the man once to die and after death comes to judgment. That's all. Plain and simple. And there are two places in the judgment that you can spend eternity. Eternity. Once you've been uh, sentenced, I'm going to call it, 
either heaven or hell. Those are the only two places. And today, the choice is yours. Not mine, but yours. You choose where you want to spend eternity. You choose if you want to make Jesus your choice. You choose today if you want whatever you want, you choose. Because he's not a God that's going to come against your will. If that's what you want to do, he will allow you. He will allow you. So go ahead. But I'm praying that your choice this morning be Jesus. Yeah, your choice this morning be Almighty God, Jehovah the Father, who made heavens and earth, who sent his son, the same Jesus, a way to prepare a place for us, that where he is we may be also one day. But if we're going to play games out here, those that are 50 and over 50, you and your 60, 70, we know better. But we're trying to be a part of this stuff to fit in. But you say you're a believer. You say you're a Christian. And the day it appears everybody's a Christian, everybody going, no, 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 that's not true. The proof going to be in the pudding. I'm not going to look like the world. I'm not going to act like the world. My talk is different than the world. I'm a little fussy, so I fuss with people. That's because of the love I have for you. If I stop fussing with you, forget it. It's over. Yeah. Hey, Thelma Mosley. <laughs> and that's one of them friends. Fuss with her for years. She said, I got something to tell you. On what? She said, wait a minute. I don't need you to fuss now. But the fussing is because I care. If I stop caring, you're going to hear me say something like this. Oh, okay. Oh, really? Okay. That's it. Because I've turned you loose to God. There's no more I I'm even thinking I can do. I got to give it 100% to him and, and no more work on it, Lord. I can remember I was praying. I left that, <clears throat> that church in Alabama. Y'all would have had to know, and I love them people. Not everybody that loved me now, I'm just honest. But I love those people in Alabama. And I had to leave there because my work was in Florida. Woo! And I hated to leave. But I had to leave them and move on. Yeah. I had to leave that and move on in Jesus. And I was praying, and, and I had these certain people. I just constantly prayed. One day God come, and, and, and it was in my spirit. How long are you going to mourn for them? I'm telling you the truth. It was in my spirit. How long are you going to mourn for them? Get up. I got up. No more. No more praying, no more none of that. I let it. I gave it, gave it to him, and went on down about my business. And I know people think it's crazy, but when you got a true relationship with God, you are gonna hear from God. I know many dead people who they don't have the real faith to believe. They just got God one way, and he in the box in the corner, and they only call him out when they need him. I know they can't understand that. They won't think like that. 
But when you know God for yourself and you know that the earth is here, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, when you know that he made heaven and earth and he ruled over it all, and you know there's nothing too hard for him to do, it's like you sit around doing nothing but twiddling your thumbs. The biggest thing you're going to do is pray and study the word. And after you get so much of the word, sometimes you're just going to sit back and bathe ha! in the word of God. Because you you, you feel that, I, well, I don't have to do nothing else but believe. And if he say go this way, I'm going. If he say go that way, I'm going that way. All I got to do is obey what he said, and, and, and I'm good. Yeah. And in these last days, I'm enjoying my private time, being by myself. And yeah, I used to didn't have these kind of days. My days were super busy. I was always out doing something, running up and down the highway, yada, yada, yada. But these days, I am enjoying being with Barbara, I'm my best friend. <laughs> yeah, Lord Jesus. And I don't upset me. I don't make me angry, you know. I, I don't aggravate me. I don't do any of that. And when I get enough of me, I take a nap. I don't need no more right now. Go on and nap it on off. <laughs> God is faithful. Yeah. And and know what? I, I'm going to tell you. He won't retire me. I don't believe God will ever retire me from being a great witness unto him. But what he has shown me, I can slow it down. I can bring it to a place where you can work and yet have rest and peace. You don't just have to get, keep going and going and going because my heart is for people. So I, I've, I've learned, lead them to me and leave them there. Take them to the altar and leave them there. You the fish of me and you caught the fish. I don't need you to scale them and clean them. Call them, bring them to me, I'll scale them, and I'll clean them. Hallelujah. And it's all right today in Jesus' name. I'm thankful unto him, excited a little bit right there. And uh, amen goes right there. We're going to this next request, and when we come back, uh, the studio is open. I had an Al, uh, Al Shopton clip I wanted to play. But uh, we, we're going to go to this one, and when we come back, the studio is open. Now, if no one have anything to say, I will play that clip for you.
Washington, D.C., as a guest of President Barack Obama, as he was being inaugurated for his second term as president. And I remember we were seated, Martin Luther King III and his wife and I were seated on the second row behind the Supreme Court justices. And it was a very cold day, but we were so honored we sat there and the Senate and Congress people were behind us. And one of the members of the Senate said to me as they brought the Bibles out to inaugurate Obama, Al, it's a great day. I said, yes, it is. He says, and isn't it awesome to see a black president being sworn in on the Bibles of Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King? 
And I said yesterday, as I thought about this week, that this week when they unveiled the portraits of Obama, both Mr. and Mrs. And I looked back at that senator as we walked back into the Capitol after the inauguration. I said, but let me tell you something about those two Bibles. It's a great honor that both of them were here on the steps of the Capitol as this black man was inaugurated for a second term. But don't get confused. Both of those Bibles were being held to swear him in. But both those Bibles took different journeys to get there. Abraham Lincoln's Bible was on the mantelpiece in the White House. Heads of states and captains of industry and generals of armed forces would come and look at that Bible. But Dr. King's Bible didn't come that route. In fact, if you opened up the front of Dr. King's Bible, in the inside cover is a cell number from Birmingham where they had to mark the cell number down as property when he went to jail for fighting for blacks to have rights in Birmingham. Y'all bear with it. It should come back. That Bible came through the backwoods of Georgia and the bayous of Louisiana and the segregated restaurants of Arkansas. Yet the Bibles are both at the same place. And as I sat there thinking of all of the struggles we've gone through, I said, it's a great day. But not long after Obama, four years, Fought through many cases in those four years. Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown in Ferguson and Eric Garner in New York and I'm in and out of the White House and we're dealing with from the marches to the White House. And then behind that is the election of Donald Trump. We thought the struggles was over. We thought we had arrived. Black president, black first lady, black girls growing up in the White House. And here comes Trump. And it is a reminder to us that struggles are for long distance runners. Some of you right now in your personal life over enjoy good moments and don't prepare for bad moments. That's why some of you can't keep friends because you're only a fair weather friend. So we went from eight years of Obama to four years of Trump. And it made me, Anderson, go back to the book that there was more than one river that the children of Israel had to cross. We love to talk about how Moses and the children got to the Red Sea and dry land was made by God. But after they marched through the dry land, they wasn't in the promised land yet. They still had one more river to cross. 
So they went on. God sent Moses. Sent Moses to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And the reason you could always know when God sends somebody is he'll back them up. One of the things you get wrong is that we look for qualifications on who God's going to send. We look for whether they meet our criteria. But God's got a habit of using unlikely people. Rejected people. People that you don't think would do nothing. Think People that you think was too discarded to be used. Well, let me tell you, God used Moses. Moses had killed the man and was a fugitive, left so he wouldn't be prosecuted for murder, and ended up going out and marrying and came up on a burning bush, and God took a murdering fugitive. Not somebody out of seminary, not somebody out of the prayer circle, but a fugitive. And say, I want you to go back. I know that you want it there. Go back. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. You know the address because I arranged to have you raised in the house. Moses started making excuses. Well, wait a minute. You don't want me. I can't speak. I got a heavy tongue. God said, shut up. I know you couldn't talk when you come up here. Just open up your mouth and I'll speak for you. Somebody sitting here today, God done called you and you talking about what you can't do. God knew what you couldn't do when he called you. God don't like to use perfect folk. Because if they are perfect, you would think it was them. But if God takes some reject, somebody that had messed up in life, somebody that had been sorted and somebody had been dirtied up, and he picks them up and cleans them off, then God can get the glory because everyone would say only God could have done that. You know, I'll be honest with you, Congressman Green, I don't like hanging out with folk that ain't been through nothing. You know, I go places, people say, Mal, I want to work with you, want to work with Nash Ash Network, here's my resume, I've been through the best schools, I've got nobody ever said nothing bad about me, you can check all my references, and I take it and I smile, but I don't want nobody with me like that. Because if you've done, had such an easy, perfect road, I don't know what you could take. I like to hang out with folk that been knocked down and dragged through the mud, been talked about and scandalized, 
been left alone and tossed to the side and somehow God picked them up and lifted them off anyhow. Because if you hang out with me, we liable to go through something. And if you ain't never been through nothing, I don't know if you can get through something. But if you've been through the storms, if you've been through the fire, you ain't in church guessing what God can do. You can glorify him because you know what God can do. Some of y'all in here guessing what God could do. Some of y'all just so cool when they singing them hymns, but some of us couldn't sit still. Because them hymns wasn't just entertainment to us. We thought about why God brought us through. I'm talking about stuff we never told nobody. I'm talking about days we thought we wouldn't make it. And we wouldn't even tell our best friend. But somehow God made a way out of no way. So the children of Israel, God sent Moses, backed him up with seven plagues. Finally, the last plague broke Pharaoh's grip. Took the firstborn of everyone, every child that didn't have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the Passover. Let them go and they marched into the banks of the Red Sea. Then they got to the banks of the Red Sea. They started hearing horse hoofs. They started hearing something coming behind them. And they said, wait a minute, what is that? That sounds like Pharaoh's chariots coming to recapture us. And what they didn't know is God had already told Moses, don't worry. I'm going to do something here. You just hold on to your faith. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Why are you going to do that, God? Because I want the children of Israel to understand that I delivered them. Sometimes you go through tests in life. It ain't the devil. Sometimes God will make a situation happen in your life to show you that I'm on your side. Israelites heard Pharaoh's army coming and they turned on Moses. This is a trick. You brought us out here to die. Wasn't there enough graves in Egypt? Some of the Uncle Tom Israelites turned on Moses. But at the right time, God said, stretch out your rod. Don't argue with them. When folk criticize you, stretch out your rod. You ain't got to explain nothing to them. Stretch out your rod. You don't have to justify nothing. Stretch out your rod. And when he stretched out his rod, the waters backed up. And there was dry land in the middle of the Red Sea. And they marched on into the wilderness. But here's where it gets tricky, Dr. Anderson. They got in the wilderness, and the Bible said they wandered for 40 years. And in those 40 years, they started worshiping graven images. 
started worshiping idol gods, started worshiping golden calves. And I used to preach right past that, but I thought about that lately. The reason that some of them did that is the reason some of us is doing it now. Well, what do you mean, Shopton? Well, you got to remember, if they were there 40 years, most of the folk that came across the Red Sea had died by then. And you were dealing with wilderness babies who didn't know what God did at the Red Sea. You were dealing with wilderness babies that wasn't there for the night of the Passover. You were dealing with wilderness babies that didn't know that God had mothers praying for them when they were in bondage. Same thing today, we are in 2022. The march on Washington was 59 years ago. Dr. King was killed over 50 years ago. And we are now in an era of wilderness Negroes that don't know how we fought to get where we got. Wilderness folk that don't remember the back of the bus. Wilderness folk that don't remember that we didn't have black mayors and we didn't have black governors. Wilderness folk that don't want to vote because they don't remember Medgar Evers died to give them the right to vote. Wilderness folk that think they sitting up in C-suites and corporations because they qualified, not knowing we had to fight and march and go to jail to get them up in them C-suites. Wilderness folks that walk in these college campuses wanting to hang out and figure out where they can smoke a joint, not remembering it wasn't long ago your mama and daddy couldn't go to them colleges. And we fought to open them doors up to the campus, feeling if you got there, you would bring that expertise back to us. Wilderness folks, that we used to have James Brown singing Black and Proud and Aretha singing Respect and Marvin Gaye singing What's Going On. Now you got wilderness folks standing on stage with their pants down calling us niggas and hoes and bees. Bunch of wilderness folks. Diane Carroll, when I was a kid, Black Dignity doing Julia on TV. Sydney Poitier with Dignity. Now you're on doing Housewives, ripping each other's hair weaves out, shaming a race that fought to get here. Wilderness folks. And after wandering 40 years, God said to Joshua, you got one more river to cross. 
I let y'all wander 40 years. Because I got y'all out of Egypt. But I had to wait and get the Egypt out of y'all. And I'm ready to bring you cross, but I want you to put the ark out front. And I want you to bring the bones of Joseph. March behind the bones of Joseph into the promised land. Why are we going to march behind the ark? Why are we going to march behind the bones of Joseph? Because what is it called? It's the promised land. I didn't promise y'all nothing. I promised Abraham. I promised Isaac. I promised Joseph. You're collecting on the promises I made your forefathers. You sitting up here with all that your grandparents didn't have. God don't owe you nothing, but he promised your grandmama that he would bless her seed. And then Joshua, who was Moses' youth director now, Joshua, come out of the army. That's why folk that these fly-by-lights that come to, to Houston and got a new thing and a new anointing, ain't nobody ever heard of them. God raises up prophets. Joshua was with Caleb when they surveyed the land in the first place. And he said to Joshua, now go on to the Jordan. He said, and as I was with Moses... You were there. You saw what I did with Moses. So shall I be with you. As I was with those ahead of you. So shall I be with you. As I was when y'all fought Governor Wallace. And Governor Lester Maddox. If you think about how I was with Dr. King against Wallace. So can I be with you against Abbott. We beat folks rougher than Trump. You just forgot where you come from. And he said, before we get on the other side, First of all, you ain't going to imitate the Red Sea because I'm not opening up making dry land. I want you to step into the river and I'm going to hold the flow down. See, a lot of y'all get confused and imitate your mentors and imitate the ones ahead of you. No, you get the same anointing, but God's going to use you in a different way. Wasn't no dry land. I'm going to take you in the, step in the river, step on the rock. And I'm going to stop the flow. I am God. I do different things different times. And when you get over there, I want you to get some stones. In fact, get 12 of them. Why 12? I want one stone for each of the tribes of Israel. Why do we need 12 stones for the 12 tribes? Because I want you to build a monument. To memorialize what I did at the Jordan. Because one day your children will ask. Oh, you remember what I did, but one day your children will ask. 
what do these stones mean? And I want you to tell them when all hope was gone, God made a way out of no way. I come to talk to somebody this morning that you done been through things, you made some success, you broke through some situations, but you got one more river to cross. You might not have told us what it is, you may have been holding it in, but I want to remind you today the same God that brought you through the Red Sea in your life will bring you through the Jordan. You didn't get through by yourself. Don't you worry about it now. God is still on the throne. Somebody facing a crisis in their life. Somebody facing a situation in their life. You thought you come to church only to hear civil rights. I come to tell you, you got one more river to cross. And the same God that brought you this far, he didn't bring you to leave you now. All you got to do is believe in him. And believe in him based on what he's already done. I, I, I was at a conference not long ago and Anderson, some of the ministers were sitting around in the study before we went to the pulpit and they were talking about different situations they faced in the ministry. And they said they had gone through challenges and trials and tribulations. And one of the ministers said, uh, you know, when I go through a situation, I take my Bible and I read what God did for Job. And it gives me the strength to go on. Another one said, well, I don't read Job, I read Jeremiah. Said, just like fire, shut up in my bones. <clears throat> they went around the room, they finally got to me. They said, Al, you've been through controversy. We've seen stuff on the news where you went through tight squeezes. What do you do when you face it? I said, well, let me tell you the truth. Uh, when I face a situation, I, I don't read Job's story. Because the whole story may not be there. I don't read Jeremiah's story. I get off somewhere quiet and I hit the rewind button in my own mind. And I think about what God done for me. I'm not talking about things I told my friends about. I'm not talking about things I shared with my children. I'm talking about things that nobody knows but me. Days I thought I couldn't make it. Situations I was scared to face. But somehow, somewhere, God made a way out of no way. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me that I'm his own he's been food when I was hungry he been watered when I was thirsty he's my rock my sword and shield my wheel my wheel my wheel in the middle of the wheel 
He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He woke me up this morning, started me on my way. Yes, yes, yes. You know, yesterday I got down to NBC to do my television show. Earlier that day, they had made Prince George King George because he was Elizabeth II's son and he inherited the throne based on hereditary. I looked at that on television as I sat in the studio. I thought about I didn't come from a royal family. Daddy left when I was 10 years old. Mama went on welfare and did domestic work. I didn't, I didn't inherit no crown from my mama, but I still come from royalty. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I ain't like George. I ain't an heir to the throne, but I'm an heir of salvation, purchased by God. I was born of his spirit. I've been washed in his blood. This is, this is, this is my story. This is my song, praising 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 my savior all the day long yes yes twenty one years ago today i was in brooklyn new york when they hit the twin towers I saw they had one survivor here. We didn't know what had happened. They cut the trains off. They closed the bridges and the tunnels. I had to walk from Brooklyn all the way to my headquarters in Harlem. When I got there, there were about 200 people that had come in the auditorium because they couldn't use cell phones. They knocked all of that out. And they thought maybe we had some information. Maybe we could help them find out if the loved ones down in the trade tower was all right. First time in my life, I didn't know what to say. I'd been preaching since I was a little boy, and I always knew what to say to people. But Anderson, this was the first time I was speechless. I went in my office trying to figure out how to give them comfort. But I didn't know if there was going to be another attack any moment. And I sat there trying to mull over what to tell people in the middle of the first terror attack on the homeland of the United States. But I remembered an old preacher told me, he said, Al, when you face something you don't know, all you do is you have to go to the book and you can find out what to do. So as others went around doing whatever they were doing, I closed the door to my study at the headquarters and I took out my Bible 
and I turned my Bible and I flipped to the end of the book and I found out what to do. And if you facing a river today, I'm going to tell you what we did in 9-11. I've been to the end of the book. At the end of the book of this word, it says that the first will be last. And the last will be first. And the lion and the lamb going to lay down together. I can't promise tomorrow, but I've been to the end of the book. God will, God will, God will make a way. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. I've been to the end of the book. God will hold your hand. God will guide your feet. God will make your way. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes. Yes. You know, before I got up, I heard the choir sing. I wish I could sing like that. But God didn't give me that gift green. But sometimes in the midnight hours, after my cell phone stopped ringing, after the doorbell quiets down, I go out in my living room all by myself and I sing my song. I can't sing like Lily Grove Choir. I can't sing like the lead soloist. But I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eyes, his eyes, his eyes is on the sparrow. I, 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 I know he watches me. Yes, 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 yes. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word today. For Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet, it's a light unto our path. And forever, O oh God, that word is settled in heaven. And Father, we look into you. We're looking to the hills from which cometh our help. All of our help, it comes from you, the Lord. Father, you made the heavens and the earth. And as we depart this morning, bless our going out. Father, bless our coming in. And meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Help us to remember you this day. Help us to keep our mind on you. For Father, it's you that will keep us in perfect peace. Help us to speak positive. Speak those things that are not as though they were by faith, O oh God. In Jesus' name, bless every caller and every listener. Move by your spirit today for these your people to lead and guide us in the right path. For your name's sake. In Jesus' name, we ask it all. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent, one from another, in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. 
Have a blessed day. I seek the blessings of Almighty God upon you today, October the 11th, 2022, in Jesus' name. So we go into our last song of the morning, and after this song, I won't be coming back. Have a blessed day. On the building a long, long time ago. I turned around in a world of sin. I didn't work on the building anymore. I was lost in the heart of the wilderness. I was standing at the crossing of the road. I heard a voice speak soft and low, telling me which way to go. And he said, It's time to go back home, child. Wandering in the wilderness much too alone. It's time to go back home. I wondered here, I wondered there. Months and years had passed. Had plenty of friends all the time. The life I lived was fast. When trouble came around me, all of my friends were gone. But I heard the same voice speaking in my ears. Telling me to go back home And he said It's time to go back home, child It's time to go back home You've been wandering in the wilderness much too long It's time to go back home I finally did what the voice said I turned and took my place I'm working back Singing in the quiet God's amazing grace I know Jesus, he loves me so, and this is how I know, that same voice speaking to me, telling me the way to go, he said, it's time to go back home, child, it's time to go back home, you've been wandering in the wilderness much too long, it's time to go back home. Go back home, go back home, go back home.
brother, won't you go back home? It's time to go back home, child. Later, Tater Lewis. God bless you today. God bless you. Time to go back home. You've been wandering in the wilderness much too long. Time to go back. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. This only thing. Thank <laughs> you. 